This is Jonas from the Wrestling with Jonas podcast, and you're listening to my Brit Rest journey. Yo, what's going on? It's your boy, Big Wavy Roy Johnson here. This is the professional Nathan Cruz. Yo, this is my Mike Dorees. Hi, this is Tom Thelma. This is Beggy. This is the Asian sensation Kanji. This is the nightmare fuel hustle Malone. This is Joe Rage, the heavyweight classic. This is Mad Dog, O'Dockery. This is Tonga. I'm the Breaker, Kyle Kingsley. This is the infamous Cameron Solis. And you're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... Broken but Glorious. Broken but Glorious. To Broken but Glorious podcast. Because like me, you are head to toe a pro. Hello and welcome to My Brit Rest Journey on bbgwrestling.com. I'm Chris Lappin. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the Gene Oakland of Immortal Wrestling and Wrestle Carnival, the head honcho of Jonas Net- Podcast Network and the all-round podcasting legends. Jonas, how you doing, oh, Jonas? You, you're too kind. That's a <laughs> hell of an intro. Uh, but no, I'm great. And uh, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And uh, I know we've known each other for a few years now. Um, mm. You've been on my show now I'm on your show, so it's uh, it's an honour. So uh, thank you for having me on today. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something I've, it's, it's, I think we've wanted to do it for a while. Just as, yeah, just by basically people with interviews trying oh. to find time to do it. So exactly, so, when, when you're a podcaster, when you're an interviewer, and always planning and prepping and mm. interviewing and editing and all the social media that comes with it, and uh, you know having the chance to actually talk to another podcaster that's in the same boat, another interviewer, um, it's quite rare. So this, yes. this is going to be a good chat. This is going to be a good chat. Yeah, it was about six weeks ago we found it. it was like, I've got this date. You've got this yeah. date. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's squeeze it in where we can. But it is, it is a case of kind of, yeah, just um, slotting it in when you've got a, an available moment. But uh, no, I'm happy to be on your show for definite. So how, how's 2022 been treating you? You've had a great, great year so far, I think. Uh, yeah, so far so good. Um, I, I know we'll get to it, but because I'm uh, heavily involved with Wrestle Carnival, a new promotion that's based in Nottingham, mm. um, and they had their first show at the end, I think it was uh, the very end, uh, 30th of January, um, yes. their uh, Champion of Carnival's uh, show, uh, what was it kind of, kind of, kind of, of champions. That's right. Get it right, Jonas. I was there. Um, and, uh, that, that was a really, really good show. Some strong matches, new champions were crowned. Um, mm. and, uh, an incredible match between Gabriel Kidd and Yoda Sushi. Um, yes. just super, super strong style, super stiff, um, man. And, uh, I, I, I've, become a huge fan of those two individuals off the back of that one match and I've gone back and uh, tried to watch as much as I can with uh, Yota Suji and uh, Gabriel Kidd and Gabriel Kidd yeah, I know he's yeah. doing a lot of stuff over here and um, uh, something that I put out on Instagram a couple of days ago is that, that I've uh, subscribed to Rev Pro on demand service mm-hmm. just to hopefully one day watch Gabriel Kidd versus Will Ospreay. Um, and, and then I thought to myself, well, you know, what's, what's the point of watching it? I might as well go down there. So if that match is announced, I'll be getting a ticket to Rev Pro to watch um, Gabriel Kidd and uh, Will Ospreay for the uh, championship. But uh, oh, if that match does happen, <laughs> I think they, they've uh, had a moment in the ring at the last show and a bit of a stare-off. And I think that this has been a match that's been bubbling for a mm. while now since Gabriel's been back over here in the UK. But that's a match that, um, I, I, wow. I mean, once you've seen that match, I think, uh, yeah, you can kind of retire nicely then, but, uh, that would be a great match. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so Russell Carnival have, like, quickly established themselves as, like, one of the top promotions in the country, as I've heard of any other five yeah. or six shows, and, yeah. Oh, some great but, matches and some great talent, and they've had international mm-hmm. talent, like, uh, Hyann, uh, she defended her, uh, uh, Stardom, uh, title, mm-hmm. um, over here in the UK. I think the first time it was defended, uh, on foreign soil, and Gary had it wow. for Carnival. Yeah. Uh, you've obviously had uh, Jonathan Gresham and Jordan Grace over here. Um, it was a fantastic pure rules match between Chris Ridgeway and uh, Gresham, uh, mm. I think on their third show, uh, yes. which was fantastic. And they, they featured... Um, what, what, what I like about Wrestle Carnival is that they're not necessarily a regional uh, or a local-based promotion, because no. although they perform in Nottingham, they've got talent from all over the country. Um, from Yes, they kind of, like, kind of just grab the best from the north. They like really Lizzie, have, yeah. Like Lizzie Evo and um, like Joe Hendry and yeah. Chris Ridgway, they've kind of 
grab Beth from the middle and sort of like shout out George and then Devise you know from the south south as well some from Wales as well (laughs) Um, like I say the the northwest and uh, Scotland as well but yeah Wrestle Carnival have definitely hit the ground running Um, and they were voted by quite a few awards last year as the Mm. best new promotion Um, they've unfortunately had to cancel their February show uh, which would have been in, in Tamworth this week. Um, obviously, COVID is still rife and uh, affecting quite a few promotions and talent and uh, individuals that work for these promotions. And uh, Russell Carnival was one of those, unfortunately. But their next show in March, uh, Mardi Gras, uh, 26th of March, is going to be fantastic. But yeah, and I've been lucky to have been associated with Russell Carnival from day one, pretty much, as a, a sponsor of theirs mm. uh, and a big supporter and also a backstage interviewer with with them as well. They gave gave, gave me my first opportunity, my first uh, uh, step into uh, backstage interviewing. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of been quite an exciting um, development for me individually um, over the last uh, six to eight months, for sure. Yeah, so you say you're backstage interviewing for both Immortal and Wrestle Carnival, and you've come up to so sacrifice as well soon. So how how have you found it different from going from interviewing as a podcaster, it's a backstage interview. Um, it, it was tough to start off with. Um, mm. the, Wrestle Carnival's first, well, I say tough, it was um, interesting because mm. it was a step into the unknown and it is totally different from sitting behind a microphone, behind a desk, doing your podcasting, talking to guests, whether it be video or audio and whoever it might be, and then to actually be standing there in front of your banner with a live microphone and a camera, <laughs> um, and you don't really know what they're going to say. Sometimes you don't really know how you're going to start or what your first question might be until you're you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of go with the flow and whatever takes you at that moment. Um, and their first show on the 1st of August last year, um, I interviewed uh, Giselle Shaw, Lizzie uh, <laughs> Evo, mm. um, Chris Ridgway. So... So some some pretty big names, um, and uh, obviously Giselle, one of the best promos going at the moment in wrestling. Lizzie Evo is fantastic. Uh, Lizzie Evo, sorry, I think I called her Evo, and she gave me a funny glance, but it's Evo. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, a, a fantastic all-round performer behind the mic and in the ring. Um, and there, there was a few others I interviewed on the day, but uh, it was an interesting. Uh, first step to backstage interviewing and that, that kind of first show was, was a good learning curve for me. It kind of taught me a few lessons about what to do, what not to do when doing backstage interviewing because as you mentioned, it is totally different to what yes. you're doing a podcast <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you, you kind of, you, you'll chat with the, the wrestler with the talent might only be a minute, minute 32 minutes tops. Um, and you do kind of have to, you know, think on your feet sometimes. And I think, if you know you're going to talk to somebody in advance, yeah, make a few notes on, on your phone or after having seen their match, you can kind of refer to, to their match. But a lot of it is kind of on the spot, what, what, how you're feeling in that moment. Um, and there's been some interesting interviews I've had. Uh, for example, I, there was a, a bit of a, a mini rivalry between Heidi Katrina and my baseball cap, uh, which <laughs> she seemed to like to uh, hit off whenever I uh, interviewed her backstage. And I think the last time I met her, she actually gave me a, um, uh, a, a, a forearm to the chest, uh, which legitimately, um, kind of, uh, winded me and, uh, kind of, you know, I, I felt it a few days later. Let's be honest. Uh, I'm not a trade wrestler. I haven't taken any blows any <laughs> oh, before. No. Uh, but uh, that was interesting. And, um, yeah, I've had, uh, Nathan Cruz grab me by the shirt and, uh, kind of pull me in as he was talking intensely into the microphone and into the camera. So that was interesting. I honestly thought they'd ripped my shirt at one stage, but no, it's oh. just the lanyard that would come apart of the back. So no harm done. Uh, <laughs> but he did warn me in advance that he was going to do it. It was part of his new kind of uh, character's new heel persona. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've had some interesting encounters. But, um, yeah, in the five Wrestle Carnival shows and the one immortal wrestling show, I've probably done about 30 or 40 backstage interviews now, oh, so I'm wow. getting yeah. I'm getting okay at it now, to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, you know, legends of the business uh, like Doug Williams, Johnny Storm, uh, mm. that I've had the, the pleasure of um, meeting and interviewing backstage, uh, former WWE performer, um, Axel Titcher, um, Alexander Wolf, of course, uh, from um, uh, Imperium, um, I interviewed at the last show, really, really great guy. 
Um, I think he spoke for nearly four minutes, to be honest with you. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he, he kind of really kind of um, pulled his heart out. But um, at off camera, it was quite interesting because we spoke to Axel about the whole Walter Gunther name situation because um, that had kind of been in the news and was quite a hot topic. So after we stopped recording our interview, I said, oh, you know, what's your opinion on this? And he kind of uh, told us that he'd spoken to Walter and they're good friends and you know, uh, he said that Walter, at the end of the day, it's just, it's just business. It's just yeah. business. And, um, obviously, uh, Walter didn't want Walter being, uh, trademarked by the WWE. So he was happy to change his name and he said it's just business. And at the end of the day, you know, if he's still destroying his competition with those lethal, uh, drop kicks and chops of his, um, who's going to care what his name is, uh, when he's, um, kind of, uh, piling up his victims in the corner Definitely. of a room. It really isn't going to matter what he's going to be called at the end of the day. And, you know, there's been so many gimmick and name changes to people over the years. And uh, they've come through the other end successfully. So I'm sure uh, Walter, being as talented uh, and as fantastic as he is, uh, will be um, successful at the other side of it, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, uh, that that's just another example of an interesting conversation <laughs> that you kind of get backstage and you'd know all about that, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I've got the first three DVDs of Wrestle Carnival. I really enjoyed the first three shows. So I'll have to get the next couple when they can, when they're available. So yeah, but you kind of start sort of a better match than that fake four way between Lando Newman, Black, and Nakey. Oh. That's just <laughs> if you're, if you're, if you're going to start a new promotion, you're gonna, <laughs> yeah. what better way to to kind of kick things off than with that four way match between four of the best high flying, fast paced mm. young talent. Uh, not just in the country, but in Europe, as far as Definitely. I'm concerned. And uh, Joe Lando, what an amazing talent. Um, you know, Maverick Mayhew, Danny Black, who's doing some great things in progress as well in all around the UK. Um, and of course, Callum Newman, who uh, just appears to be absolutely everywhere going up against everybody. So, yeah, I mean, when you're talking about people who are going to be huge names in the next three to five years, those four names are going to be on pretty much everybody's list. And uh, they're, they're at such a high level, at such a young age already. Um, I, I say that, you know, they've been in the business for a few years already. So, uh, yeah, it's not as if Joe Lando. Brand new. Yeah. Probably late 18, early 19 at Wrestle Island. And he's improved so much since I saw him yeah. then. So, yeah, he was with a tag team. Yeah. Tag team was called. No, I'm not sure. I, I saw Joe Lendo in November of yeah. Wrestle for uh, Immortal Wrestling as well mm. um, against uh, Kelly Six. Oh, um, and that was an incredible match. That really, really was. Um, I think it's actually available on Immortal Wrestling's YouTube channel. So uh, Joe Lendo and Kelly Six are a great match. Um, probably the best match of the night. Well, not probably, definitely. Um, the main event was pretty tasty as well, but. Um, yeah, go and check that out if you haven't already. But uh, uh, and, and Kelly Six, first time I've seen him in the flesh, to be honest with you. But having yeah. interviewed him in the past, I know that his his style has changed. Um, I think he was a lot more um, high flying, a lot more athletic himself, and now he's a lot more ground based, a lot more character based, and uh, um, he's, he's kind of bulked up a bit as well. So uh, it was interesting to see those two work and a, a, a great dynamic between the two as well having the bigger and then the smaller wrestler but mm. um two fantastic talents for sure so so was that the first was that the debut show of the mortal wrestling you so well um it's kind of their return. return um i think they had had two maybe three shows before um but it had been uh, i'd say at least a couple of years mm. um since their previous show to the one they had in november um, and they maybe had one, maybe two shows tops before that. So over the last, yeah, three, three years, they've had about three shows, uh, obviously with a big gap, uh, in between because of the pandemic. But, um, and then they're back again in April, uh, for their, uh, yeah, for their next show. And, uh, I think we spoke a little bit before you hit record, but, um, they've already announced a, a couple of amazing matches, um, Marcy Kirby matches. versus Joe Lando again. Um, and you said Dan Maloney was on the card as well versus, I can't remember his opponent. Easton Ray, Reese. Yeah, oh, man. So that's, that's, that's a proper old school heavyweight battle. <laughs> 100%, yeah. So, um, and I'll be at that one as well. And mm. like I say, obviously Immortal Wrestling, Wrestle Carnival, uh, you mentioned, um, 
Sacrifice Pro, who I'll be doing uh, backstage work for for their next show on the 25th of February. Um, And uh, that's a crossover show between them and UBW, which would be fantastic. And uh, World Pro Wrestling. So um, uh, I interviewed Matt Jarrett, the the, the owner, the promoter of World Pro Wrestling earlier on this Mm -hmm. week, which is out there and available now. Uh, talking about the up and coming show on the 19th, uh, Saturday, um, uh, from the Cheltenham Town Hall and I'll be there. Matches like Tajiri versus Jody Fleisch and, uh, Eston Reese versus Joel Redmond. And, you know, you've got some, uh, other great international talent coming over as well. Um, unfortunately their, their current champion, Tukol Scorpio, um, I think he double booked and he's going to be performing for GCW in the States. Um, oh. but, um, so that, that would have been great because Tuco Scorpio, uh, one of my all time favorites. So I remember watching him, uh, in the early nineties, WCW, then on to ECW and then, um, and then that, uh, flash funk thing that he did in WWE <laughs> was quite interesting, but still a phenomenal athlete and still incredibly 25, close to 30 years on. He's still doing the business. So yeah. it would have been nice to have seen him, but, um, yeah, so I've kind of, uh, gone involved with a few promotions at the moment. Uh, besides still very, very busy with the podcast and interviewing, uh, uh, like yourself, um, uh, a lot of the biggest names in independent wrestling, um, and, uh, shedding, uh, some light on, um, you know, some newer talent as well, uh, which is always great fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, busy, busy. And, um, like say this past November marked, uh, three years, um, uh, as, uh, you know, of me as a, as a podcaster, as a content creator, um, as wrestling with genres and, um, it's been a, a, a great journey, an interesting journey, a fun journey. Um, so yeah. Yo, my name is Danny Reed and you are listening to the Broken but Glorious podcast. This will give your age away to everybody. So who's your favorite wrestler growing up? <laughs> right. Okay. Um, I always liked Hulk Hogan because back mm. in the, early 90s who who didn't love Hulk Hogan for his larger than life personality the the the, the music the real american music you know still i think probably the best um entrance music of anybody of all time it's enough to kind of get everybody up off their seats wanting to tear their t-shirt off to be honest with you mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> um uh, you know just the charisma of the man but but honestly um i i've always been a fan of the heel and yes Ric Flair, um, when he came onto the scene in WWF in late 91, um, I, I gravitated towards because of the, the robes, the hair, mm. the, 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 yes. the promos, um, the fact that he was a heel, <laughs> the fact that, you know, he had all the, the fantastic, uh, uh, catchphrases and, uh, mic work and, you know, he was never the best wrestler in, in the ring in terms of, you know, um, moves or anything like that um but but you know just when you when you think of great professional wrestlers rick flair is nearly always in um kind of everybody's top 10 um and he he's certainly right up there for me um okay not for flashiness or not for cool moves or anything like that but just you know he he was just a a great worker a a fantastic um fantastic all-rounder as far as i was concerned and i was i was more attracted to the personality of rick flair to be honest with you and his entrances and say his robes and the way he was with the you know the the lovely ladies and the the limousines and you know the the jet flying kiss stealing Mm. son of a gun (laughs) um but uh yeah so i've got to say rick flair closely followed by um bret hart um because around that time <laughs> 91 92 was when Bret Hart really came into his own as a singles performer definitely and uh um i think that besides being a big fan of the, the heels um i i also loved the the technical prowess of the smaller wrestlers that were coming onto the scene then like the Bret Hart's uh, dare i say it Mr Perfect although he wasn't necessarily a small wrestler he was still a you know a, a big guy they all they're, they're all big guys let's face it yeah the short michaels is when when Shawn michaels kind of starting to break in but um yeah uh, you you can kind of get the feel for my my sort of uh, taste in terms of wrestlers um certainly in the early years but um uh i i i started watching wrestling um probably even earlier than that to be fair because uh, don't know about yourself, Chris, but 
Um, I grew up in the in the eighties, and of yes. course, um, every Saturday afternoon on ITV, you had a certain sports TV show, sports program called World of Sports. Yes, I was and have, very, have wrestling on every every, every recollections of watching at my nan's. Yeah, sports. Yeah, <laughs> same, same thing for me. I would go around my nan's uh, some Saturdays. Um, and you've got to give credit to my nan. She was probably the one that got me into pro wrestling because she was the one that had it on every Saturday afternoon, shouting at the telly, waving the rolled up newspaper at the bad guys uh, through the TV, um, shaking a walking stick um, at, at, at the TV. And uh, I kind of, you know, obviously took me attention to what was going on on the TV and it was pro wrestling. And um, obviously that ended uh late 80s um and then it was a friend that got me introduced to wwf he would have uh the wwf pay-per-views and his weekly shows recorded by an uncle of his and he would mm. have the chess tapes he would uh, invite me around so we would have a kick about a game of football in the park and then after that would go back to his and uh watch um wwf on vhs and um yeah uh, we used to go to the, um, the video shop every week and just Friends of video, uh, wrestling videos, so it was yeah. never in any chronological order, it was just re- wrestling, so. Yeah, it didn't matter, did it? It didn't matter whether it was something from 1990 or 91 or 92, it was kind of that, that, I think that was one of my favourite eras, not just because that was kind of around the time when I got into wrestling, but it was colourful, you had your larger than life characters, you know, mm. you had your over the top um face paint and costumes and yeah absolutely loved it um i, I still remember to this day uh the, the segment where jake the snake roberts got his king cobra latched it onto the arm of matching man randy savage and they would never do an angle like that nowadays they would never do no. an angle like that nowadays um but uh, back on, then, an, ad- an adult show they want to back then it was shocking you know it was shocking because it was real there was nothing fake about that and i think that that definitely caught my attention and from there i was i was hooked um i went to my first live wrestling show it's probably when the wwf toured the uk um early 92 um and my, my, my second live show believe it or not was um summerland 92 wembley wow. stadium um i would have been 16 then i was way up in the gods at the old Wembley Stadium, um, went with my dad and two friends and uh, uh, 80,000 plus screaming wrestling crazy fans uh, from all over the UK and all over Europe. Um, and still to this day, it feels as, you know, as fresh in my mind as it did then. You know, the sun was beaming, the, the electricity and the atmosphere in that stadium, you, you could feel it, it even before the first match started. Um, the undercard was nothing really to shout out about, but obviously you you had the the legends in the ring, the larger the life characters, and um, you it's know your chance. Uh, my, go on. My VHS. Ninety two. Ah, yes, I had that. Yeah, I had that, and I, I think I've still got it in a cupboard somewhere as well. But um, you know, I don't have a video player anymore, but I can't get rid of me. <laughs> we wrestle VHS. But uh, you know. Th- <laughs> the Macho Man versus the Ultimate Warrior. You kind of tell people that you've seen those two fight for the yes. WWF World Championships, and you just I, lo- I love them. that 1992 Macho Man run. That was because I, st- I we yeah. got Sky just before Survivor Series '91, so that's when I started watching it regularly. So, so yeah. yeah, so that so yeah, the Macho Man Ric Flair feud was kind of my introduction to, so I hate, I was 10 at the time, so I was a bit, a bit, a bit younger than you. Yeah. So I hated Ric Flair. Like, I loved Macho Man. Yeah. Ric Flair, Ric Flair was after Macho Man's girlfriend. He was saying all these horrible things about Elizabeth that they were together. And, <laughs> and he had dirty yeah. photos of her. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, I mean, just sticking with, um, SummerSlam for a bit, you know, mm. I'll never forget seeing The Undertaker come down on the back of that, that hearse. Yeah. Um, seeing the Legion of Doom come down on their Harleys and, uh, you know, just absolutely fantastic. And, um, let's say that main event is a match that people still talk about today. Bret Hart, David Boy Smith. Uh, when you talk about classic matches, you know, a lot of people kind of have that as, as one of their mm. best and, and most favorite intercontinental title matches of all time. And to say that I was there, that I was fortunate enough to be, to be there. And you know, when you're in there watching that, 
match, you know when that bell rings and when David Boy holds up the title, you know you've seen a classic, you know you've seen something special. It really, really was. Um, so I'm very lucky. But yeah, we're sticking with 92. WrestleMania 8 is still one of my favourite shows. Yes. You know, when I'm... The other uh, VHS I've got. <laughs> yeah. And when I'm it. having a, you know, a shit day and I just want something to watch, I'll, I'll usually stick WrestleMania 8 on, to be honest with you. And, you know, the, the match between Bret Hart and Roddy Piper... Rick Flair versus <laughs> Macho Man. Even the main event, just seeing Sid, uh, main event at WrestleMania, um, always, I always get a kick out of that because I was always a, a big Sid fan, to be honest with you. And, mm. um, you know, to think that, you know, he, he could have done so much more during that run, but obviously, you know, various issues, uh, that we won't get into, but, uh, so pleased when he returned a few years later and had that great, you know, title run and, you know, um, but, uh, yeah, um, and, and then from there, I've got to say, I became a huge ECW fan, uh, back from when it first launched, uh, 93, 94, um, when they were first of all Eastern Championship Wrestling before they became extreme, but you could see the seeds of it even in the early days, they were trying to be something different, something unique, um, and you know, ECW, um, is, is a big part of why I continue to be, um, a wrestling fan, to be honest with you. Yeah, ECW is obviously something that I've had to watch retrospectively since we got the network. I've never really watched it that much going off. I, had the, I think I discovered it. Well, they had, they had that mini invasion in like nine, mid nineties, didn't they? Ninety seven, I think. Ninety seven, yeah. yeah. So, so I was kind of well, it was the <laughs> that awful video games they brought out. <laughs> That's how I like, really got into ECW. But yeah. I've, I've actually yeah. retrospectively went back and watched that. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And the, the reason why I love ECW is because it, it, it really did kind of give you that, 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 that variety. They, they really did introduce a lot of new styles into North American, to a North American audience and to North American wrestling, like the, the lucha style, the Japanese style, uh, well, the yeah. hardcore style and, and, and the more technical WWF style. and uh, WCW just basically Robbed that format and said, oh, well, that's got, to, that's got to be our bid card now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, you think about what wrestling has become and, you mm. know, every promotion has its own hardcore belt or hardcore style. And, you know, it, we're so familiar with the different styles of pro wrestling now, but ECW were responsible for introducing us to a lot of that to start off with. Um, and, you know, the household names that it kind of gave us from this underground promotion. Um, uh, you know, the, w- when, when you're at a live show and mm. so, somebody gets a chair out, you can bet, you know, that the, the, there's a section of the audience that's going to start chanting ECW, ECW. <laughs> you know, you're talking nearly 30 years on from when they started and, um, 20 years since they folded. So yeah. Um, and obviously we go from there into the attitude era. I did, I was a bit of a lapsed fan. I was going to ask the next question of you. Yeah. A lapsed fan, so. so, um, from about, uh, 2001, 2002, up until about 2010, believe it or not. So for a good was, eight, to, eight or nine yeah, years. Yeah, I was very similar. I, was, yeah. I, I, I kind of stopped watching. When did I get to? Probably when I was about 16, when it was, it was, it was, it was more, more cool to go out drinking and meet people. And, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, till, till about the invasion. When I've heard this invasion was happened, so I started watching again for that, like 2001. Then I moved out. Didn't have Sky, so so stopped watching that until 2006-ish. I, I kind of kept up with results and stuff, and I was watching the odd thing at my mum's. Yeah. But then I mean, 2006, I, I, I heard ECW starting up again, so I was like, okay, we'll get Sky Sports and all. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I still watch the pay-per-views. Um, mm. A friend of mine would record the pay-per-views and give me the, the, the tape, and I would watch you know, WrestleMania and the big shows without fail, and I would buy... Uh, the Power Slam magazine religiously. I think I had every single, ep- every single, uh, wow. e- uh, um, edition of that from 93 through to, uh, 2014 when, they, when they folded. Um, but, um, so I'll, I'll still keep up to date with it, but I just, I did lose a bit of interest in it. And around that time, um, got married, started having children, buying a house, concentrating on my career. So, you know, although I still kept up with wrestling for that period of eight years or so, um, I didn't really watch too much. And then, no. like yourself, I, I, I went back when I started getting into it 2010. Uh, I went back and kind of caught up with, you know, the, the big shows and all the big pay-per-views and the storylines mm. and the angles and the, the recommended matches from that, from that period. Um, and, uh, you know, on one hand, I was 
quite gutted that I didn't kind of keep myself in the loop and watch more of it. But then, like you say, when, you, when you're kind of starting a family and, um, you know, having Sky is not always a necessity. You know, obviously no. it's not, not cheap to have satellite TV. So um, we spent our money elsewhere. Um, but yeah, from 2010 onwards, been back into it. Uh, um, yeah, a, a big time. And um, yeah, it, it's been interesting the last 12 years or so to see how wrestling has changed. And, you know, but um, the, the more it kind of changes, the more it stays the same, to be honest with you. And uh, oh, definitely. So yeah. It was 2011. I got, because that was when my son started loving it. So yeah, I just uh, re- rekindled my love for wrestling through him. Really. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for, oh, for, for the, um, I just remember SummerSlam 92. Yeah. I said we got Sky. We didn't, we didn't get proper Sky. We just got a dodgy Sky box from <laughs> Hall in the snooker club. So we, we watched <laughs> SummerSlam 92 on one of them dodgy German channels in Germany. <laughs> so the first yeah. time we watched it live. So <laughs> Yeah, and, and that was quite unique. I mean, it's quite interesting that we're talking about SummerSlam 92 because we're approaching the 30-year anniversary of that show this year, yes. um, in just a few months. Um, and so obviously back then, it, it, it was recorded um, on a Saturday, but I don't think it aired hmm. uh, in the States until I think either the following day or maybe the Monday. So... And, and they, they switched the main events around. I think, if I'm not mistaken, in America, they put Matchy Man and Ultimate Warrior on last as their that pay-per-view sense, main yeah. event, whereas uh, for the live audience, and then eventually... It was a, a bit jarring, wasn't, wasn't yeah. Matchy Man and Ultimate Warrior in the light? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but for the American audience, they switched the main events, and obviously they, they put it right for the for the network version or for the DVD version. But, um, yeah, uh, an amazing show. And um, I tell you... I, I, I'm wondering, I'm hoping whether we might get a, a big pay-per-view over here, uh, maybe this year or sometime soon, but um, it's not too late for them to, you know, well, obviously we've got some great stadiums over here and of course the new Wembley, um, I'm sure it will sell out, but there's obviously a lot of logistical problems to um, hosting such a big show over here in the UK, but um, we'll keep can do it in Saudi Arabia, they can do it here. Oh, <laughs> you make five hours you really do. Really brilliant. But unfortunately, I don't think we've got any uh, uh, any so princes need, over here. That just, say, we just need, we just need a billionaire wrestling exactly. fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, in AEW, they will do a show over here for the 30th anniversary. <laughs> just, wow, just wouldn't that be ironic? Yeah, yeah. some sort of um, David Boy Smith memorial, uh, you know, tournament over here in the UK. Oh, but yeah. um, H. Smith wins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 So. But no doubt, I, I, I mean, you're a huge uh, indie fan, same as myself, but no doubt um, indie promotions will kind of do some kind of homage to SummerSlam in their own way. Well, that'd be interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that we'll see a lot of kind of uh, throwbacks to SummerSlam 92 being the 30th year anniversary, hopefully with our uh, homegrown promotions, but um, that'd be quite fun to see. Cool. So, so, as we've mentioned, you host the Wrestling With Jonas podcast. Couldn't yeah. Just past the third year. So how did you get into podcasting? And then tell Ooh. us a bit about, about the show. And so, so. Yeah, great question. I, I can't believe it's only three years. I, I know, I know. It does feel like we started about the same time. But yeah, no, I, I mean, how long have you been doing this for now? About four or five? Uh, 2017. Yeah, so it's our fifth year in June. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I mean, you are, uh, you know, one of the, uh, the, the kind of standard bearers of UK podcasting <laughs> um, because I know a, a lot of the podcasts that are out there now have started within the last couple of years certainly so many kind of came up during the pandemic oh, when people were at home yeah. um, I, I saw my kind of um, uh, listens go go down quite a bit when uh, all these podcasts started cropping up but um, oh, yeah, I, yeah the beginning <laughs> of the, the pandemic we, yeah we, we had a noticeable drop yeah I mentioned earlier that I started getting back into wrestling around 2010 um, and uh, podcasts wrestling podcasts started becoming a thing around I think 
early 2010s and certainly you know the stone cold steve austin podcast has been around for probably close to 10 years chris jericho's podcast has been around for you know 10 years as well others that have been around for longer than that like solid monster sounds off i think i yeah i think i discovered them about 2012 yeah yeah i I started to listen to ones like the the v2 wrestling podcast in like 2012 2013 uh, yeah things like uh, the body slam podcast and, uh, i mean they 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 seem like quite a, a more of a a newer phenomenon but really they've yes. been around for quite a few years um but obviously the popularity yeah. has really started off, yeah. i started my fo- football podcast in 2013 ah so, so yeah that one, so. but i mean like so many uh people w- would listen to these podcasts and um would, would try to listen to as many as you can to get all the information and mm. uh, I think it was really when um, Conrad Thompson launched his podcast with Bruce Pritchard something to wrestle with in 2016 then I, I, was, I was hooked I was listening to everything I was listening to all of their episodes um, listening to more and more and more and thinking well you know I, I've been a wrestling fan for quite a few years I know a little bit about the business um and have a an enthusiasm and a passion for pro wrestling um but it it, it wasn't until i went to new orleans in 2018 for wrestlemania mm. and i was listening to a whole shed load of podcasts on the flight over there and on the flight back and was really really inspired having been out there for five days five fantastic days um and i came back and i thought well yeah, what's the worst that could happen? Let, let, let's give it a go. Let's see how it goes. So I had a cheap laptop, got myself a cheap uh, microphone headset. Yes. Um, and then I dropped episode one, I think it was on the 12th of November, 2018. Um, and to start off with, it was just me and a microphone of yeah. reviewing um, NXT UK, which was uh, the new show on the WWE Network. I think I reviewed episode one of that all the way through, probably for the first six months or so. And then I would uh, review uh, AEW when that came on board, uh, the Black and Gold NXT, WWE pay-per-views, Progress, New Japan. And I was uh, just started to find the feet as a review show more than anything. Um, I would go to shows and review them, like Progress and NXT UK and whatnot. Had uh, uh, guests from uh, all over. Um, I, I, I tried to get on as many podcasting friends as i could you came on to the show as well and we reviewed um uh that came on for some of the we reviewed no we did wrestlemania oh i must say wrestlemania eight i'm thinking that no, i think you're right i think you're right yeah it was wrestlemania eight i remember now yeah. yeah um i can't remember who i reviewed uh summer 92 with it might have been mike angus but um so I yeah, we, you, we, yeah i think you did i think we originally i i wanted to do 92 and i think you said i've just done that ah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes <I remember. laughs> um and then i i got into um interviewing the stars so um the first person i interviewed uh wasn't really a big name but you might know um sean mcmahon who was the promoter of the um, extreme dwarfinators, uh, when they yes. came out to the UK. So I interviewed Sean McMahon, um, unfortunately. Well, that's how you have, that's how you have to start with interviews. I think it's just, you, yeah. kind of, you start and you get a bit of a reputation as a decent, a good guy around yeah. the wrestling community. And, yeah. yeah. Um, Sean Custom was my second ever interview. Um, and then uh, I think Gary Ward was my third ever interview. Um, so, uh, and then, then I would do, do interviews here and there, but was mostly, um, concentrating on, on reviews, uh, remaining a review show, but it was really around the end of 2019 when, um, I, I got, uh, involved with Turnbuckle TV, who then mm-hmm. transitioned into Powered 4 TV, would do interviews for them and, um, in conjunction with them. And, uh, yeah, I was interviewing the likes of Big F and Joe, CJ Carter, um, you know, guys from IWE UK over in, uh, Essex. Um, and yeah, the, the names just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'd say from 2020, 2021 onwards, just, uh, I've been blessed and, and really, really privileged to have interviewed so many amazing names on the independent yeah, circuit yeah, just, from just the US. Just this year, you've had a great range of wrestlers. You've got like yeah. the Axe and Kanji, Charles Crowley, oh, yeah. Gabbard. Is there, is there a method behind the selection of guests or a conscious decision to make oh. such a wide range of workers or? Is it just this, this came up? Um, it's a, it's a really, really good question. I, I, I 
I tend to approach talent that I like to watch perform, essentially. So whether I've seen yeah. them on the TV or seen them, uh, you know, up front in, at a wrestling show, if I appreciate their work and really enjoy what they do, I'm thinking, ah, right, really want to get them on as a guest. Mm-hmm. Um, more recently, over the last year or so, a lot, a lot of these wrestlers have been coming to me asking to come on the show, which has been absolutely fantastic. Um, and, uh, of course you're not going to say no to that. So yeah. it really is a combination of people that I would like to have on as a guest, people that approach me wanting to be on the show, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, and w- one thing that it's really, really done for me is it's opened my eyes up to independent talent that I was not familiar with before. Um, I'll be honest with you, probably a little bit, um, um, maybe naive in some cases, ignorant of certain UK indie promotions and certain UK indie talents. And it's really, really opened up my eyes to the amazing talent we've got out there, um, on the, on the Brit rest scene. Um, and certainly since wrestling came back in the summer of last year, 2021, it's made me kind of oh, amazing. appreciate what, what an amazing kind of collection of promotions and talent we've got out there that might have been bubbling under the surface before obviously you had all the big names that you haven't got now for reasons we're not going to get into but it, what that did was that that gave an opportunity for these that were bubbling under the surface to really flourish and to come to prominence and Definitely. to kind of really make a name for themselves and 2021 has been a great year for so much talent and indie promotions out there in the uk especially i think the uk indie scene is in a really, really healthy place now, to be honest with you. And um, whatever happened before, I think, was obviously for the benefit of UK indie wrestling. Um, but I think it, it also allowed promotions and younger talent to flourish, um, whereas before they might not have had the opportunity to. But yeah, I think the UK Brit wrestling at the moment is um, not necessarily as good as it's ever been, but I think it's come back very, very strong, very, very healthy. Yeah, definitely have. I've never been to so many months. <laughs> we used to go to Wrestle Island and the occasional all-star when it came to town. Yeah. But since we've you know, started to go into TNT Ignition, I've been to the odd TNT Extreme show, we've been to Britannia shows, we've been to Mega Slab, we've been, <laughs> yeah. I've been to two Odyssey shows. I, just, yeah, I think just having as a star for the 18 months, we've probably got like at least one a month. Oh, yeah. Usually two months. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, and during lockdown, we discovered so many great like, promotions on like Sacrifice and UBW and uh, Rumble Wrestling promotions and stuff online. And yeah, um, yeah. Uh, son uh, Isaac's got a slight obsession with Rumbles and Paradox, the group. So ah. he, he found he found this Rumble from Britannia that had all the Paradox in, and we, we it's got like eleven hundred views on YouTube, and I think at least nine hundred of them are Isaac. He couldn't. <laughs> the first couple of months of lockdown, he watched that rumble to death. <laughs> he could he could name who was coming out next. He was only like five. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, he watched it that many times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That really is. But no, but I've been, let's say, very, very blessed. Um, I think 2021 was a great year for me, and being able to uh, really find my find my stride and uh, really kind of find my voice in, in podcasting and um, develop, you know, my style. And um, I'd say 2021, I had so many great stars on, but, but I mean, episode 200, which was in August, I had the Ascension on. I mean, that was just an amazing thrill to have those two. And they were so, so kind of happy to come on the show and to talk for about an hour and 15 minutes about their NXT and WWE mm. days and what they're up to on the Indies. And then you, you go from there to, you know, Joel Redmond and Heidi Katrina, uh, you know, Will Cruz, for example. Will Cruz was another one that, another wrestler that I was uh, kind of, you know, sleeping on really before the pandemic. Although he was champion of various promotions, there was some great stuff, you know, before, um, you know, Brit Rest came back in 2021. I really hadn't heard much about Will Cruz. You probably had, but then, you know. I, had, I hadn't seen him live. I'd seen him on YouTube and stuff with um yeah. CNC Ignition and, and Preston City Wrestling and stuff. So, yeah. So yeah, he's, he's a name that keeps popping up. I've never oh, actually 100%. seen that. So. But, but like, I mean, going back to what I said earlier about myself being maybe naive or maybe slightly ignorant, 
one huge thrill for me, and I'm sure it's the same for you, is when you've got a guest coming on, you don't know too much about them, and you you put the, the hard work and the hours researching mm. this guest, and you know to the point where when you do start talking about them or to them, you feel like you know them really, really well, and you kind of you, you've done your research, and you you know you know what direction to take the interview in because you you know that person, or you feel like you know that person. It kind of makes the interview flow a, more, a lot more naturally but it, it's kind of learning about that person and about their past and about what motivates them what what's inspired them mm. um and, and you kind of i think that's the best thing about podcasting really is learning about the the person behind the character or the person behind the wrestler and uh what makes them tick um and uh like i say although and you'll, you'll know this better than anybody you know researching a wrestler that you might not know too well can take many, many hours. Um, but that, that hard work and that preparation certainly pays off for a good interview and they appreciate the work and the effort you've gone to. But it, it, it kind of, for anybody that's thinking about getting into podcasting or doing interviewing, you know, I think preparation, doing your research is the number one thing you have mm. to do. You can't go into an, go into an interview with just a, you know, a few bullet points. You really got to, do your research and know about that person. Um, and I think that's one thing that I've always prided myself on is, is, is doing the groundwork, doing the hard work before you, because that is the hard work, talking to the individual, asking them the questions, finding out about the individual and having a, a good rapport with the individual. That, that's easy. Um, it, it's all the work that goes on before, um, you know, beforehand that is the hard work. And that's kind of, the thing that you need to concentrate on preparation is the most important thing when, you know, you know w- with any sort of podcast uh, content creation, but certainly interviews. Um, but um, yeah, like I say, l- love all the hard work, love the grind of being a podcaster, but it is damn hard work, isn't it, Chris? It's definitely it. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes when you've, Done like a ninety-minute interview. You're like, oh god, I have to, I have to edit this now. <laughs> like, yeah. That's a, that's a great interview. Yeah. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I like to be a week ahead of myself, so I have a week to edit it rather than having to get it out in a day. <laughs> so, yeah. so. Um, but but I mean, one thing that I've started doing since 2021 is all of my interviews are live as well. Yeah. So um, you, uh, you know, I I think that's helped me kind of develop my style and and kind of. Uh, develop my skills as an interviewer because you have to, and once again, go back into the preparation. Your preparation has to be on point. Um, because if you're live, you don't want to screw up. You haven't got time to, you know, to, to, for, for a redo, um, or to rewind or to hit record again, you know, uh, like, uh, Gene Oakland said to Sid once, uh, you know, on a pay per view, you're live now. Uh, <laughs> you're live. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that's one thing that's helped to, um, improve me as a content creator and a, an interviewer and a podcaster is by putting myself in that kind of pressure pot of being live. Um, it does help to kind of hone your skills and, and, and sharpen your skills as an interviewer. And, um, mm. um, I think that's one thing that, uh, I, 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 I will never go back on. I, I think that uh, just making that decision to do all of my stuff live on Facebook live, YouTube and Twitch was probably the best decision I've ever made as a podcaster. I think once I get over a bit of anxiety and have a proper room to do something, I might start doing live stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do all my stuff in my living room. Yeah, my, I yeah. have got a studio, so I can... in the yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm kind of sitting at the dining table into the bit of a mess in this room at the moment. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to find, you know, the, the best corner of the room you can before that. <laughs> yeah but um let's say fortunately i work in front of a uh, a backdrop so yes. i could be anywhere in the house to this with you and nobody will ever know <laughs> have you ever been starstruck before an interview oh um that's a good question I, I was quite nervous before um the ascension um interview in august but they were so down to earth in yeah. fact um uh, with, with interviews like that, it's trying to find questions that they haven't been asked a thousand times. Yeah, yeah, so pretty much. Okay. But um, I, I was very nervous, and uh, Vic kind of joined the call a good five minutes before Con. Um, yeah. And he was just he's just a normal guy, just having a chat. And then by the time Con um, Con kind of came in and 
you know, joined the conversation and it was like three old friends and it's like we'd never spoken to each other before, but Vic was so nice at kind of just, you know, just starting the conversation and before you know it, you're just kind of having a conversation as if you'd known each other for years. But, um, being starstruck, um, I've got to be honest with you when I interviewed, uh, Martina Session Moth backstage yes. Wrestle Carnival and she's so lovely. She really is so, so lovely and, uh, she kind of, just launched herself into a character as soon as uh, we, we, we hit record on the camera. Um, <laughs> but because she's, you know, obviously an ROH star at the time and renowned all over the UK and this larger than life character. And you kind of had to say, would you mind doing this backstage? <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. And so she decided to, she, she was more than happy to, but mm. yeah. Um, yeah, and the other thing about doing the backstage work, and I'm sure you'll know this from from the stuff you've done, but when you are backstage in the locker room and they're all kind of talking through their matches and going through certain moves and getting themselves hyped up and in the zone uh, mentally and physically, you know, the last thing they want is, uh, you know, a, a podcaster coming up to them saying, do you mind doing a backstage interview with <laughs> a pre-match or a post-match interview? And it's like... Um, you know, so you really got to pick your, pick your times. And sometimes you can go there and you can do 10 interviews, you know, yeah. and, uh, they'll all be happy to talk to you. Other times, you know, you really got to pick your moments when you speak to them. And sometimes there's not quite that moment to get the person you want. But, um, yeah, quite, quite often the promoter will say, look, um, you know, would you mind speaking to Johnners either before or after your match? And a lot of them are absolutely more than happy to. Exactly. But, um, and what the backstage stuff I found has been really, really good, especially for, some of the indie uh, talent that might not be used to doing promos or uh, might not have been interviewed backstage before. It gives them a, an opportunity to kind of practice their promo mm. um, in front of a camera where they might not ordinarily get a chance. A lot of indie shows on the UK scene might not have a backstage or a regular backstage interviewer. So to have me there is good for them to kind of, um, you know, uh, get better at cutting a promo in front of a camera. So uh, it, it works both ways sometimes. Definitely. I've, I've never been starstruck with a wrestler, but I'd, when I interviewed you know, Brian Zane from Wrestle Regrets, I felt a bit mm. pressure doing that. And Adam Bacitti. <laughs> but yeah. the, time, the time I got the guts up to ask Adam Bacitti for an interview at, um, what was it called? Wrestle Media Card in Manchester. Right. I'd had a couple of beers by then. <laughs> so I got yeah, like, a bit of like, courage. Just courage. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, he was really nice. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think yeah. when you're interviewing somebody that um, does something very similar to yourself, um, you, you, you kind of want to prove yourself to that person that you're mm. kind of worthy of speaking to them, if you see what I mean, especially, especially if they're like, a bigger name than you. Right, right, so, it's like one of my idols. Yeah, yeah. Yeah he's, I, yeah, he's one of the few YouTubers I make sure I watch everything he does. Cause yeah. I'm awesome, I love it, yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, I, I wouldn't say that I've been, yeah, massively starstruck. Like I mentioned about Session Moth and, <laughs> and all that, but they're, they're lo- such lovely people. And, and usually once you kind of hit record and you, you go into your own, you know, interviewer mode, mm. um, then all the nerves tend to go. But, uh, um, being nervous is a good thing because it proves that you you care and you, you want to do well. Um, so I don't mind if I'm nervous. And once you start chatting, then the, the nerves soon disappear. But uh, yeah, they're definitely. If you're not nervous before you go into an interview or before you hit record, uh, then uh, you know what, you, you, you can't really call yourself a podcaster <laughs> because uh, I think nerves are good. It kind of gets the best yeah. out of you for sure. Yeah, and, and with um, when you ask somebody to be on an inter- uh, to do an interview, they 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 must be a nice person because we don't pay them and they've given up their time yeah. to come on so they, they te- if they're going to say yes they must be a decent person that's how I think of us they must be a, a nice person to give up their time to talk to me yeah, <laughs> so, yeah absolutely and, and, you know, Chris you sitting these, in his dining room <laughs> well you hear of these content creators that, that do pay for interviews and do spend a lot of money on certain guests you know um, and we're talking hundreds of pounds or hundreds of dollars for some guests and I'm thinking why you know you've been doing this five years i've been doing this over three years i've not spent a penny on a guest to be honest no. with you and i don't intend to um yeah, uh, so i used footballs before that and i never paid anyone maybe. yeah yeah so like you say you see, uh, whether you're uh, um on, on the small side as a podcaster or you know got quite a few people that follow you um it's good promotion for your guest really and it, you know um yeah. so uh it's, it's good promotion all around but like i say it, it's it's a uh, 
a kind of a, a modern phenomenon, isn't it? Podcast and being interviewed on a podcast and, um, I suppose the guest kind of takes their chances with whether the interviewer is, is any good or not, whether they've been doing it for a long time or not. But, um, yeah, like I say, I, I, um, I think I've just about found my, um, uh, my, found my feet as an interviewer, mm-hmm. um, and as a podcaster. And, um, I, I, I've kind of noticed myself improve over the last year Definitely. or so and, and feel confident in my skills and ability as, as an interviewer. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and it's always nice when they kind of reach out to you and say, you know, can I come on your show, John? It pro- it shows that you're doing something right definitely. if they noticed you and, and kind of got in touch first. But, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's all good. Yeah, I'm, I've, I've decided this year I'm going to reach out to some of the people I interviewed in 2018 because I wasn't as confident and I didn't have the, the formats I'm happy with now. So I'm, I've yeah. reached out to some of them to see if they want to come back on. And redo the interview. Yeah. So, so some of my interviews were like 15, 20 minutes long. It was, some of them were literally, I ask a question, they answer it. I ask a question, they answer it. It wasn't as much of a chat as they are these days. Yeah. I think because I interviewed footballers, and that's literally how you had to do the interviews. They were so media trained. Yeah. So I think going from footballers to wrestlers was such a (laughs) leap. It wasn't until I interviewed, like, should be and I was like, oh, you could have proper chats with these people, is it just? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, like I say, it does all come with practice, and yeah. uh, like I say, nobody starts um, as a you know a brilliant interviewer or a brilliant podcast. It all comes with practice. It all comes with with time, um, and uh, you know, it, 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 but you have to put in the grind. You do have to put in the effort to uh, want to be good to eventually get good. Um, and I'm not saying that, that, you know, I, I'm necessarily good at what I do, but I enjoy doing the interviews. I, I enjoy doing what I do. Um, in fact, I, I, I love it. I more than enjoy it. I love it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's uh, something that I want to continue doing for a long time to come. Uh, hey, good brothers. This is Sunset Skip and you are listening to the Broken But Glorious podcast. All right, so I think we'll finish off with, so where did the idea for the network come from? Oh, great question. Um, so the network launched, when did it launch? Uh, January 1st, 2021. So it's uh, just over one year old. Yes. Um, and, and essentially, I wanted to, well, obviously there was already Wrestling With Johnners and yes. I'd had a lot of amazing guests on the Wrestling With Johnners podcast um, who had reached out to me or I'd read that, reached out to on social media to come on the show as guests. And I thought, well, I think I can create a second show mm-hmm. featuring these brilliant guests I've had on in the past that I've really enjoyed or I've had on as repeat guests. And I thought, let's see if they would be keen to start a show of their own. And that's what started the Turnbuckle Arms podcast. Yes. So then they had quite a few uh, shows under their belts. And I thought, OK, we've got two shows now. We've got Wrestling with Johnners and we've got kind of this, the sister show, uh, Turnbuckle Arms um, it's the start of maybe something, you know, uh, 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 something that we could grow here. Um, and then I kind of threw out an invite to the Turnbuckle Arms hosts and saying, do you want to do your own show besides Turnbuckle Arms? Do you, is an opportunity for you to kind of come up with your own concept, come up with your own name, your own logo. I'll give you the platform. Um, and we'll kind of start maybe a collection of shows on a network. Um, eventually came up with the name, the Jonas Podcaster Network. Um, and from there, it, it was essentially the idea was to give a platform to new podcasters, to give them an opportunity to, um, start out as content creators and to go through the same journey that I went through, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was really just to help brand new podcasters, uh, find a voice and to have an additional platform to do what they do, basically. Um, so then it went from one podcast to two podcasts to about half a dozen shows. Um, I reached out to one or two shows that I thought would complement the network. Um, mm-hmm. So I brought on uh, Straight Talk Wrestling and Gilmy Talks and one or two other shows. Um, I also reached out to other guests along the way and said it is an opportunity, like, for example, Nick Towers, who runs Work for the Left Side podcast. Yeah. Um, I noticed on social media that he had just left, um, a group of podcasters. I can't remember what the name of that podcast, I think it's like the Hard Cam podcast or, um, and I said, Nick, uh, you've been a guest on my show. 
Um, if, if you were to start your own podcast show, what would it be called? What would it be about? It came back to me. I said, right, okay, there's, there's your new show. Um, do you fancy being part of the network? And it's like, yeah. So it kind of started like that. It was a combination of fledgling, uh, homegrown shows and established shows. And over time, over the last year or so, we've built this kind of beautiful thing, um, yeah. where we've got, um, content creators, YouTubers, podcasters from all over the world. We're, I think we're on 49 channels now. So we're very, very close to having our 50th channel. Uh, we've got, um, some wrestling content on there from a Denver based promotion, Lucha Libre and Laughs. Um, I know that you're familiar with Lucha Libre and Laughs because I know that you've interviewed, uh, Royce Isaacs. Yes. Um, and, um, so we, we <laughs> besides their YouTube channel, uh, we are their exclusive home. And, uh, yeah, so it's been going for just over a year now and, um, we have dozens of, uh, channels that drop content on a daily or a weekly basis. Um, and essentially it's become an additional platform for content creators. Um, but also going back to its roots is creating this family, this support mechanism, um, this kind of hub of content creators of all different experience levels that can share knowledge, share best practice, um, go to one another for support and for advice. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, you, you kind of build your network system, um, new friends as well within the, within the kind of podcast community. Um, so we, we built this, this extra platform, but also this, this family hub essentially of content creators that will help each other with, um, sharing content, for example, doing music, doing graphics, um, overlays, um, sourcing guests for future shows. So pretty much anything you want, you can go to um, our um, group chat, for example, and uh, say, right, I need help or support or advice um, on this, that and the other. And more recently, you've come on board as well. We've yes. um, you, you've Brit Rest Journey um, and uh, I'd say one of my uh, favourite people in the podcast community um, and I'm so so happy to have you and uh, your show on the Jonas Podcasting Network so in a nutshell that's what the Jonas Podcasting Network is yes but I like to see it so much question I yeah I, mean, I, I, I like to see it so much more than just an additional platform I, I like to see it as a kind of a, a, a nice family of podcasters and content creators that help one another and support one another mm. so that we can help one another grow um, to hopefully uh, build the community as a whole. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great, it's a great network. I've made so many friends o- over the couple of years. Yeah, on podcasters to wrestlers. To, yeah, it's just widened my reach of, <laughs> from all over the country. Some yeah. people I've never even met. In, well, I've never met you in person, but um, it's got to happen. It will yeah. happen one day. <laughs> well, I was really jealous that you went to TNT Extreme Fields. Oh. I can't remember. I, I, oh, there's a reason such, I couldn't go. A great show. Was it my son's birthday? I can't remember. I can't remember what date it was. But I was like, oh, I want this go so bad. Yeah. I, even, I even went out to Jay after and said, do you need any volunteers? And he was like, oh, sorry, Chris, I've already got all, everyone I need. I was like, oh, <laughs> I can't remember why I couldn't go. Yeah, but oh. um, a gr- great day. Um, mm. I think there must have been about 15 or 16 wrestling matches. Yeah. There was uh, about five or six bands uh, playing between, uh, you know, you had maybe four or five matches and then a band would play another four or five matches. Mm. Uh, so from, uh, I think midday that day all the way through to 8 p.m., um, it was just wall to wall wrestling and uh, rock music. And I know that Jay's going to be doing something similar again this year. Um, yeah. but, but one thing that he did it was kind of like an indoor, um, music slash wrestling, festival. Uh, rock festival, yeah. for want of a better name. But, um, what he did was he, he, uh, invited a lot of, uh, up and coming wrestling promotions from the north and northwest to be a part of it, like the LWF and BWR, um, Odyssey yeah, Pro yeah, and Wrestle Island, or the, they did the, their, their power up briefcase match was yeah, um, yeah. so it was, it was a phenomenal show and introduced me to a lot of, uh, wrestling talent that I hadn't seen before or certainly hadn't seen in the flesh and got mm. to meet one or two. But, um, 
yeah, all in all, it was just a fantastic day, headlined by a uh, hardcore death match with light tubes and sheets of glass and uh, barbed wire. Uh, I still, I still don't get death much wrestlers. Why would anybody want to do death much wrestling? I don't get it. So oh. Why do you want to get stabbed with it? <laughs> I was stood oh. so far back um, because it just, but, but that was. That was, um, yeah. yeah, that was quite a memorable moment, to be honest yeah. with you. Not something I would, I would want to see too often or be too close to, uh, but definitely an amazing show. Like some wrestlers, you know, I want to do one death match in my career. Yes. Why would you want to do one? <laughs> I only want to do one. I was like, why would you want to do it? <laughs> yeah. But um, there's a lot of blood in that. And uh, um, a couple of the people that we went with, uh, one was kind of sat about a foot and a half away from the ring when this death match was mm. going off. I'm thinking you're much braver than I ever will be. So I was uh, glass by the bit, end of the bit more fact. chicken, and I was yeah right <laughs> at the back of the uh, the venue for sure. But uh, that was good and a great show. And so hopefully Jay and the, the TNT guys will do something similar to that, uh, probably bigger. Knowing Jay, I know that now they've got the the partnership, the association with uh, mm. uh, Lee McAteer and and, and Martin um, from Trammy Rovers and Progress, of course. Um, I think that uh, whatever they do in the future will be bigger and uh, better than they've ever done before. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and the Crazy House is where I grew up. That was my house there uh-huh. most Thursdays, Fridays, Saturday nights <laughs> in yeah. my late teens, early 20s. But, yeah. But, the Electric uh, Warehouse now. Yes. <laughs> I've, not been, I've not been there since 2010. So, um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Well, I was yeah. getting to about nearly 30. I thought it was time to stop coming to this place. You'll be happy to so. know the floors are still just as sticky as they were 10 years ago. So... <laughs> Well, I've heard because since the smoking ban came in, it stinks now. Because you know, in the past, you just could just smell smoke. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard that it just, yeah, you can just smell everyone's sick and that's everything else there. apart from the smoke. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, we're just we're well over an hour, so I think we should call it. <laughs> so, yeah. so before we go, do you want to post any social media or any merch stores or anything new? Um, well, I, I think the main place uh, I'd like to direct your listeners to is the uh, the website or the app. Uh, we can find the network uh, simply wrestlingwithjohnners.com, uh, wrestlingwithjohnners.com, or if you go to the Google um, Play Store and search uh, Johnners, that's J-O-H-N-E-R-S, you will find the Johnners Podcasting Network app. So uh, whether it's through the website or the app, um, download it to your phone. Like I say, a huge array of podcasters, content creators, uh, wrestling podcast shows that you can watch and listen to um, every single day including uh, my Brit Rest uh, journey and Wrestling with Johnners they're all on there um, every single episode dating back to when the show first started mm-hmm. oh, so uh, masses and masses of content there um, otherwise um, on social media just just search uh, Johnners or Wrestling with Johnners on Instagram Twitter and Facebook and you'll see my lovely smiley face there uh, just uh, you know throw us a like um, and uh, yeah if, if you want to Reach out to us and say hi. I'm uh, more than happy to converse and uh, to have a little bit of a chat, especially about pro wrestling. Um, and uh, if you do stumble across our YouTube page, uh, give us a subscribe. Uh, we'd love to uh, have you as a subscriber um, so you can stay up to date with what I'm up to and all the lovely wrestlers I interviewed on a weekly basis. But um, Chris, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's been a complete blast and uh, an honour to be on your brilliant show. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'll put links to everything in the description below the interview. So yeah, okay. Cool. I've, I've really enjoyed speaking today. I'd love to have you on again in the future. Definitely, so, it's so. got to happen. <laughs>